1: to find out what the Freud is going on in your life. And today we, uh, we're we back on with Christiana Davidson, our life coach from London, England, and thank you so much for joining me back here, joining our audience. No and, um, yeah, we, we, we started a theme a couple of weeks ago, and this is a lengthy title, but I'm going to read it to everyone <laughs> so you know what the topic is, and please stay topic relevant, And we really, really appreciate Mm -hmm. Collins. topic of the day effects of narcissistic mothers on their daughters and demeaning nonverbal communication. Mm -hmm. And this is part two on effects of narcissistic mothers on their daughters. And a lot of you know that narcissism, if you've been studying the mind map and listening to my YouTubes and podcasts is a system gone wrong. And the Mind Map Therapy is designed to turn that system gone wrong 180 degrees. And I'm going to break it down so everybody knows what the foot I'm talking about. And then we can be on the same page. And then we could do a little bit of analyzing and, and shrinking, if you will. So uh, the Mind Map is something that I created and became my psychological model, oh, gee, close to 10 years ago now. And what, what is predicated on are childhood wounds, how we react to them, how we encode them. If you would be so kind as to put the mind map up, and then I can visually show those who are watching. So there are nine panels. The past and how we encode the past into our psyche. The, there it is. Wounds of childhood. And there are five of them. Physical abuse, sexual abuse, verbal abuse, neglect, and smothering, controlling, and obviously when we're wounded, we have reactions to these wounds which show up in the limbic system, they show up in the form of complex PTSD if they're not processed, and if they're early, and if they are profound, and then they also show up, up cognitively in our belief systems, and then we encode them into messages, messages like, I'm not good enough, I'm not lovable, I'm not competent, and so on. And then when the um, the lever of panel three gets tripped up, so to speak, if person is activated in their core wound, their core belief around their wound, they fall into chaos, and then they try to defend. And usually these defense mechanisms are in the form of overeating or drugs or... Um, Uh, shutting down, or um, you name it, smoking, watching too much TV, using the cell phone, and uh, OCD could be a defense mechanism as well. And then there's, of course, the narcissistic defense, which is where we get very, very walled up, because people who are narcissistically injured cannot take the pain. So what they do is they cut their feelings, and then they lack empathy because empathy is uh a, an area where feelings are 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 exposed and vulnerable and because of whatever injuries they've incurred they don't want to they don't want to play the feeling game anymore and then at the end of that journey uh everybody's breaking down and so the mind map is designed to look at all these childhood wounds and then take out and reprocess the psychological poison and paradigm shift people into health. And Christiana, you've been doing a lot of paradigm shifting. As a matter of fact, I've I've been watching you now for several months and the way that you are um, working with, with our clients, I, I greatly appreciate because you have empathy and that is a quality That doesn't necessarily come with uh, the territory of being a good therapist. Just because you're a good therapist doesn't mean that, that you have empathy. But without empathy, I don't think that you could really go deep enough with a patient. And we are animals and we feel each other. And if somebody simply doesn't care if they're just doing an intellectual exercise with you, it's not good enough. So thank you very much for your compassionate work with the uh, the people at the psychological, the patients at the psychological healing center.
2: Such a pleasure, Dr. T.D. Yeah. So,
1: with that said, mm. why don't we cap a little bit about what we talked about narcissistic mothers and their effects on their daughters? And then we're going to go a little bit deeper on the nonverbal, demeaning uh, uh, ways
2: of the narcissistic mother,
1: what that does to her daughter. So,
2: you know, what you were saying just then, Dr. Judy, you know, that narcissists lack empathy. Um, and that's the one quality, I think probably the most important quality in in a mother is her ability to empathise and attune to the needs of her child. Yes. Um, and so what we're looking at here today is just another facet, really, of the disconnect between the mother and the child, where the mother, again, puts her own emotional regulation above the need of the child to be emotionally regulated by her. And that's because, I just want to
1: add to that, Mm. is because she herself was injured, and I call it at the causal level because the causal level is the blueprint, which is mom, grandma, grandpa, Father on both sides, grandma grandpa, great-grandparents and so on. This is multi-generational. And if the mother doesn't get the emotional uh, nutritional supplies that she needs, then she's really running on empty and then she's got to suck dry uh, her, her, ch- her children so that she can be fortified. And that's the system gone wrong. So what do you see in
2: your patients? What's the damage? Well, I mean... For many patients, uh, they've spent their whole lives trying to find some some connection with their mother. And when I say that, I don't just mean with their mother. It might even be in other people. They're yearning for somebody to meet that hole in the soul. Yes. Um, they're, they're yearning for somebody to really see them, uh, to really um, want to to know them, yeah. who they are, and um, for somebody to really value them as a unique individual. So what, what I see coming into my rooms are people who have been so battered in their own self-esteem um, that they're still seeking this external validation. Um, they're still seeking to meet the needs of others uh, before their own. Um, so there's a there's a real codependency that I, I, I see in many of my clients um, at the start. And, and not only are they seeking validation,
1: they're also not built from the inside out because yes. those ingredients, so to speak, those psychological nutrients, mm-hmm. as I like to call them, the attunement, the mirroring, mm-hmm. the em- empathy, yes. the calling out, the playing with them, yes. Uh, the taking interest in who they are as unique people, as opposed to trying to make them out to be something that mom needs them to be. And so when a person is given these proper nutrients, they thrive and when they're not, they have what you were referring to as the hole in the soul. And then they become codependent on others because they Mm -hmm. need that, psychological oxygen so to speak yes. to thrive or even mm. to
2: exist. Exactly. And and that's exactly it. It is, you know, as you were saying, it's the, the system gone wrong. Mm. But actually it's it's even more than that. It's almost the system flipped upside down. That's right. That's it's right. almost the system really bizarrely switched round where where children are used in the role of the parent.
1: Right. And that's why we have that term parentified child. Mm-hmm. I talk to a lot of daughters in particular that have been parentified because mm-hmm. the mother is needy of them and doesn't have motherly skills. So mm-hmm. suddenly or not so suddenly and not subtly, even mm-hmm. they're in the role of diapering their siblings, not just helping occasionally. I mean, really. Mm-hmm. Taking on responsibility of a parent or sometimes even uh, uh, caring for the parent on the level of being their confidant mm-hmm. and mom uh, triangulating that child between herself and her husband when things mm-hmm. don't work out very well in the marriage, then the daughter becomes that best friend and daughters are not supposed to be best friends. They're supposed to be your daughter and you're supposed to give them guidance and have a sense of looking over them as opposed to as you said the 180 degree yes they're looking uh after you
2: yes you know the child is the one then who is attuning um you know giving eye contact and this is where we're going to get into our topic today the non-verbal communication it's all these cues go ahead sorry yeah no, it's all. It's um. It, this is where it's flipped. You know, the the child becomes this source of emotional regulation for the mother when it should be the other way around. Those those attachment cues are demanded from the child mm-hmm. by the mother, and then where is the child supposed to pull all of these emotional skills from because
1: they weren't even blueprinted and taught them? So today we're going to get into the subtleties because it's obvious when a mother hits a child or name calls a child, or if the child is unprotected and therefore sexually abused, or if a child is controlled and manipulated, those are the obvious ones. Mm. Uh, And the reason that I wanted to do a show particularly on demeaning gestures, demeaning nonverbal cues, is because we have to pick up on this with our patients. Uh, because they're being gaslighted, Mom might be saying something like, "I love you, honey," and then kind of mm. like you know, mm. kind of facial expressions. Mm. they count big time, they can wipe out the intention. Mm. They can wipe out or or rather mm. they can tell the truth about the intentions, yes.
2: which isn't really all that wonderful and no. And that's yeah. the crazy making part that's of it right, right. you because know, you're left thinking, did she what did she just say but I you know my gut is telling me or my body is telling me that that there's something off here yeah, that's and right needs it you right. doubting yourself then you yeah know. it's like me me telling somebody you know you're you you're you're
1: really a good cook and then making a face, or yeah it wipes it. Out And these are really subtle, and uh, and, and we're going to get into that, uh, that subtlety. And this is a call-in show, everyone. So if you can identify with these demeaning, nonverbal gestures, it could be a look, it could be a hand gesture, it could be turning the body around and not really engaging with the child. All of these count, and these are forms of human disconnect. Um, AKA narcissistic injuries. When you say something and your body says something else, it's crazy making. So please do call in and um, I think the number is posted. So just use the number on the screen and uh, we are taking calls and we'd love to hear from you because uh, it's, it's always interesting when we can understand Uh, and and help you understand the subtleties of what happened to you even though you might be scratching your head and saying wait a minute i'm going down the list not much verbal abuse not much this abuse not much that abuse but something didn't feel quite right in my gut so you are welcome to call in and uh we're going to go into these subtleties so what what have you heard in your um your office or i'll call it the Mm -hmm the the zoom (laughs) Zoom office the skype office what have you heard
2: that the people are hurt by but can't quite put their fingers that's exactly it you can't quite put your finger on it and you can't quite explain it okay you know when you when you try to start explaining it it sounds as if it could be you just being too sensitive
1: <laughs> that they will tell you that yes that's
2: too sensitive
1: and mm-hmm. that's a great tip off because that's one of those phrases that narcissistic mothers or narcissists in general will say to people mm-hmm. so that they can up the ante in their verbal or nonverbal abuse because it's not their fault they're just
0: it's true that some things change as we get older
3: No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com, code, program.
1: Getting around or they're just being
2: normal or teasing or, and you are just too sensitive. Absolutely. Okay? Do you know, this area of um, nonverbal communication, I think it's one of the areas, one of the, one of the ways, one of the most powerful ways, in fact, probably the most powerful way that the narcissist communicates to their child or their victim, as you, as they say. Um, and, and when I was uh, preparing for this, the song which kept coming into my head, and I remember Dr. Judy used to do Shrink That Tune. I well,
1: we should but, do it again, and you know, yeah. I bring that back because I, I know I get caught up lately with the the topic, and we get so many wonderful calls. So I just use the time for the calls, but I think. Maybe I'll bring in a shrink that
2: tune. And what was the song that you would have picked? Well, it was only one line of it because the rest probably doesn't, doesn't really relate. Right. But it's um, you say it best when you say nothing at all. Mm. Who's the song by? Do you remember? Uh, I think it was Ronan Keating. Okay. Okay. I'll look that up. And yeah. Maybe uh, we'll shrink that tune. Okay. On another episode. And oh. this is it. You see, you see when you're when you're in a narcissistic household, you're constantly being communicated with even when the narcissist is not in the room, mm-hmm. even when the narcissist is not verbally saying anything to mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. They communicate so cleverly. Okay. Uh, so so subtly as you were saying earlier. Mm-hmm. There's always a sort of um a hidden message in what they're doing. So for example, um, I had a client the other day who said, um, you know, she was really distressed. She was recalling, you know, times when she was growing up, um, her mother would, you know, come home from work and go into the kitchen and start cooking dinner. Mm -hmm. And um, the mum would spend the entire dinner time, preparation of dinner, slamming around in the kitchen Puffing yeah. and puffing yeah, puff, puff. Yeah. with the, you know, the door wide open so that everybody could hear. Sure. And and, and my clients recall those moments with so much sense of guilt mm-hmm. and so much sense of of shame. And you see, here we have a classic example of this underlying message that the, the narcissist is communicating without saying anything. And the reason this is so powerful is that it's deniable. So if somebody was to call the mother out on this. Perfect. That's right. I want to underscore
1: what you just said. Mm -hmm. The reason it's so subtle is it's deniable.
2: So it can always, she can always justify, oh, no, you're too sensitive. I was just, I just had a headache or I just had a. Yes. Yes. But you see, the message that came through to my client there was that I'm a burden. Exactly. And, that's, and that, that was a theme that followed throughout her life, not only in that one example. It was, it was communicated to her again and again and again through these nonverbal messages. And you picked up on that because, see, if we are interviewing somebody that we're
1: working with and asking them about verbal abuse that was inflicted on them, and they heard the words, you are a burden, that would be kind of easy to yes. do. Okay, your mother sure. said you were a burden, so you must mm-hmm. feel that you're a burden. However, when mom's slamming around the pots and the pans and acting yes. as if she's really, really burdened by the cooking and taking mm-hmm. care of her, her family, the message is loud and clear. You don't have to say the words. Not You're a burden.
2: No, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's not surprising how, you know, with, with a situation like that, that the person then later on develops an eating problem or has, you know, is sort of trying to compensate for that moment later on in life somehow through an unhelpful way. And these defense
1: mechanisms mm-hmm. are built around a protective mechanism best attempt protective mechanism against the wound. So the wound being this message. I want to go back to the pre-verbal stage of development, okay? Because that's where all this stuff begins. And imagine a mother, and we've all seen it, a mother who props the bottle up on pillows Mm -hmm. and goes to watch TV while she's feeding the baby. Now, obviously, sometimes, and I'm, I'm not trying to say, Mom, if you've ever done that, then shame on you. Because sometimes we are busy. We've got three children, and we've got to feed the baby, and we've got to put the bottles so the baby could fit. But just a little time holding the baby, just a little time making eye contact with the baby, just a a sense that mommy's here, mommy loves you and this is a nurturing experience. And of course in an ideal situation you hold the
2: baby and then in
1: a very ideal situation breastfeed the baby.
2: And, and and that's interesting in what you were saying there, Dr. Judy, you know, the pre verbal stage. Because actually what we're talking about here is mothers communicating pre verbally. Right. And this is that flip again. You know what? where she is communicating in that style, yes. uh, and 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 you know. So that instead of the mother listening out for the pre-verbal cues of the baby, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it's it's the child then listening out for the pre-verbal cues of the I parent. Mean,
1: and you know what happens to the child is that the child will then attune to the mother, and if the mother yes. doesn't want to be bothered, the child will quote dumb down their emotions to accommodate slowly Absolutely. but surely they'll stop even crying and they'll go deeper into this emotional um, turning inward because if the mother is not calling them out with their eyes and with their smiles and their mirroring and so on, then, then there's that disconnect and the baby uh, turns inward. One of the most horrible examples I've heard was a mother who gave birth to her her child and then went on vacation right after and left the child to the nannies because that was the style, you know, nine months of, of gestation and then that labor and, oh, you know, the exhaustion and poor mother had to get away on a, on a luxurious cruise with her husband and recuperate and leave the hands and the baby in the hands of a of, of, of somebody else and you know maybe the baby's better off in the hands of the somebody else because if the mother can do that and mm-hmm. she doesn't have a lot of empathy to begin with so you know mm-hmm. depends how you
2: look at it right absolutely can you imagine the message mm, ab- absolutely yeah you know yeah it's um it's interesting when we look at you know just how mothers communicate one of the key areas here is the eye contact yes of the mother you know it's an it's like um a narcissistic mother can communicate a thousand words through a single glance right and this glance it's almost like a dagger yes. That she can send out that yes. goes straight to the heart of the child yeah yep. wounds them deeply yep. triggers that the core wounds and and then what happens is the child experiences that sh- core of shame within them there's something wrong with me here I haven't been good enough um it's all my fault um and 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 so the mother here is able then to project her emotions out onto the child so you know she feels emotionally regulated but the child then is left in this very vulnerable state of constantly then trying to make up for not being good enough um to try to avoid another moment of shame and these subtle interactions are the
1: key to mental health obi talks about this eye contact skin contact attunement the calling out neuroscience is showing that the most important phase is is where all of the neurons and dendrites right they're developing and why i call this process healing human disconnect is because it's 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 also very um, physical. These these neurons, these connective uh, 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 pieces of us, are now developing. And if we put them on extinction, or worse, disconnect with
2: daggers. Yes, right, exactly. In fact, some clients have said they've actually, and I've heard about this, where they've been able to see the change in the eyes of the mother. the, The eyes have almost gone black. And they know in those moments. It might just be out of the corner of the eye, um, something like that, but they can see almost the physical physiological change in the look of the mother. And it's it's you know, it's really terrifying. It's, it's terrifying. terrifying for a child to have a look like that from its mother. There's yeah, nothing you know, more scary. If you look at panel number
1: one, mm-hmm. it looks like to me, I use it metaphorically in mm-hmm. many, many ways, but it could look like the occluded eye because a child Mm. finds herself in the eyes of mothers so if you're looking into mother's eyes to find who you are Mm. in her eyes Mm. and it's dark and occluded Mm. and disconnected and the child is just you know looking into this black hole Mm. so to speak and Mm. there's no connection it's a very
3: and we have a caller
1: Scary experience. And thank you so much for calling in. Hi, you are on the couch with Christiana Davidson and Dr. Judy. Hi, what is your name, please? I'm Terry. Nice to meet you, Terry. Hi, where where are you calling
4: from? Oh, oh. I'm calling from St. John, the Brunswick, Canada. Oh, uh, a little It's a little bit distracting because I pulled you up. I didn't know if I can get you on the phone or not, but I pulled you up on the computer and it's not in sync with the phone. So I'm watching the delay. I think
1: loud and clear to me. So yeah, welcome.
4: Okay.
1: DWF and 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 tell me what drew your your uh, attention to this particular topic.
4: Oh my golly! Well, Dr. Judy, I'll I'll give you a little. I'll share you a little bit of my story, if you don't mind. I think it was about two or three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. I just recently uh, started dating a girl for three or four months, and she started. She was watching a lot of your shows and a lot about narcissistic people yeah and I never really knew what the definition was so I think it was just about two or three weeks ago I pulled up one of your videos and it was like a revelation my mom is a narcissistic mother we never knew what it was we never really could define it mm-hmm. and, and I started watching your show and it's just like insert my mom anywhere in those videos
1: wow. huh. and
4: I, I get I guess the disturbing part now is, you Know it because they say, well, now you know the truth. But the disturbing part is now I actually have somebody to blame. So
3: Without I get
4: the story. Is,
1: somebody to what? I'm sorry.
4: Well, here's the problem with me because I turned out to be an alcoholic, my brother turned out to be an alcoholic. All the effects back to the narcissistic parent. Mm-hmm. But I'm you know, the rundown of my family is exactly fits. Perfectly to what your description would be of a narcissistic parent. My father was a passive aggressive. Yeah, my father was passive aggressive. Uh, my oldest sister, you know, is an anomaly to me. I don't know how she's been affected, but not as much.
1: Uh-huh.
4: And, and my brother and myself and both end up turning to be addicts, of course, right? And you know how that goes. Right, and there's the
1: whole but, it's, it's right, so that there was this dis- right. And so what, what, what do you expect? I mean, you're, you're, you're
4: right. Fine. Well, I guess my question, my question to be you would be, you know, I've already defined what the problem is. And as an alcoholic, I've done a lot of research, a lot of recovery work the last 10 years. Okay. And, and, uh, as an alcoholic, we're taught to take a look at self. To me, that's the biggest healing part of this whole process. Right.
1: Right. Okay. okay.
4: And, and conversely, it's what the narcissistic person can't do. <laughs> but as we're taught as alcoholics, we're taught to take, a, take care of our inventory and take care of what was our part in the problem or the resentment. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So now I got a totally different view of it. It's like, okay, I do have somebody to blame, it's justifiable. Mm-hmm. Like this person had a wicked effect on my upbringing. Yeah. the way I view life, my decisions, and who I become.
1: Right. There's a blueprint. Right. There's a
4: blueprint. So I guess, so, right. So my question to you now is, there's a conflict to me, and I guess it's not really a conflict. The healing would be the same to me. It would be a psychic change. It would have to break down my belief system, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Are you talking... So, about the conflict between the AA philosophy and the mind map philosophy?
4: Yes. Well, well, you know what? There's commonalities there, but like I said, in the AA program, we're taught to take a look at self and our part in it, and exclude anybody, you know, really for blame, and the healing. Comes from the empowerment of doing that within myself, the eternal part, right?
1: Okay. Okay. Let me let me see if I can help with this because I've always wished that um, the mind map could be a part of AA, but I guess I'm too late, right? Uh, the books are ready. Yeah. And they don't want anybody from the outside uh, in, and that that's okay. Right. A lot of
5: people from AA have sought mine map therapy and I say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off.
3: Learn more at cbp.gov careers.
1: I think maybe a great way to make this distinction is you are not responsible for part one of your life. Okay? Right. You're not right. the cause of part one of your life. And that takes care of the mind map and holding your parents psychologically responsible and allowing full range of you, your emotions to be angry at your mother and process the betrayal and process the, uh, the, the apathy and, and so on. Okay, so that's that part of it. Okay, now right. part two is where AA comes in, where you could say, now that my eyes are open and I see that this is multi-generational and I see that my mother was also not the cause of her stuff, however, we as humans can't just pass it up like that, we have to take inventory and say, okay, so now I want to go back and see because I was not insightful or not fully insightful, right, now I, I have right. inventory of all the people that I have damaged. So let me see, I projected on Harry and Sam and Susie and Mary, and let's see, I also, Uh, tried to fill my hole in the soul by drinking and then uh, affected my life so that's where the inventory comes in so I think they could work beautifully uh, together Uh, except that you know I'm I'm a big uh, opponent of going back to childhood wounds and we can't just in my humble or not humble opinion just pass it off to alcohol is a disease I think it's a dis-ease with some biological right. elements that then right. the person and cause this cycle of addiction to then keep digging the hole in the soul deeper, and then the person uh, defends harder and drinks more, and then somebody has to pull that person out of the addiction and heal the psychological wound. And Christiana, do you have anything to add to that? Because I'm sure you work with people. Uh, I do.
4: I do. So, I guess, you know, I've listened to quite a few of your shows. I don't know what your take is on for the healing part of it. I guess what I'm more concerned with now, because I could just perpetuate myself. Like, I'm sure there's a lot of character traits that I've picked up, which is our narcissistic, and the biggest one being selfishness, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. So,
4: I guess the question is, if it all comes down to self, to me. Mm-hmm. So for me to heal, I have to take a look at self, right?
1: Right. And you have to take a look now, in at order, injury to self, okay?
4: Okay, right, right. Injury so let's,
1: self.
4: if you don't mind, I'll, I'll, I'll explain it this way then. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If selfishness is the biggest part of being a narcissist, then I have to get out of self. And the only way I can do that is get out of self, is find something outside myself, which is a power greater than myself. Do you agree with that? I
1: I, I do agree with that. And it's not contrary to looking at the childhood wounds that carved that hole in the soul that then had you consume on self, which is the selfish.
4: Right. Right. Because because you
1: not get from an empty vessel. So I get it. Right. So I get it that you want to share and care about the world and repair yourself through unselfish acts. It's also important to fill your vessel because if you're just going to be sharing and loving and giving and so on and so forth without really dressing that hole in the soul and the pain of that, then I'm, I'm afraid then you might end up being a people pleaser, for example. Right, right ignore the cause of the issue and just say the solution is be a caring loving person and be the light to others which i'm all for except not at the cost of not looking over there which is panel one two and three and then seeing the results of panel one two and three as the chaos right. defenses and the breakdowns you see so i think there's part one to this and in and, and i know right. AA doesn't concentrate on part one because, first of all, they're not therapists, right? This is a, 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 a an anonymous right. volunteer. Right,
4: and I, and I agree with that, and I guess that's part of it. That was part of my question and how I pondered it, too, is, okay, AA's covered this, but is there something specific that I really you know, have to get in that's uh, more specific and professional I, with I, dealing with the nurses? Because to me, it comes down to, dis- again, it comes down to disconnection, because mm-hmm. I wasn't really ever connected with myself or with, and love. To me, it's all got to do with just love.
1: Yeah, and it's yeah. hard to love yourself when you don't have an outside-in model. You know, that's what Christianity right. is talking about, is that, that, that if that mother is giving these subtle cues and clues that you're not important, that you're not lovable, then you can... Right. Go forward and be loving and kind and everything, but I just don't think it's enough. Honestly, I think you still have to go back to the hole in the soul and repair that, so that you could be that bigger vessel, and then come from a right. more full healed point of view, and then do right. that part two that AA is suggesting and take inventory. So, oh wow, I did that. Wow, now I see it. I, you know, I projected. I. I defended, I, uh, I, defend it. I uh, demeaned, it, destroyed. Wow. Now you've got Wow. Yes. And it's well, also tell you the truth. truth. It's That's also... True true truth.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I,
2: I know Christiana had something to add to it. Uh, look at my two-pence worth, but um, yeah, just just thinking about, you know, when we, when we grow up in narcissistic households, generally each of the children takes on a particular role um, and and right. that's part of the healing work too—is to to understand. Okay, what was what was my role? Because that's how I was formed in, and that's how I came to understand that this is how I this isn't how I need to be in order to get my needs met. And then later on, right. when we do the work, then we can see. Okay, you know, as the golden child, um, I believed I had to jump at everybody's command. Um, I had to respond to their needs. Um, I, I had to maintain my position as the golden child of the family. Uh, there was competition. I had to compete with others. It, and then for the scapegoat, it's the opposite, you know, that my needs are not important. Nobody cares about me. Um, you know, it, it, I, I'm, I'm sort of I'm not important within the family unit. And mm-hmm. so we need to look at both of you know, your role and then be able to say, OK, well, this is how that role is still playing out in my life today. And how do I then start to retrain myself? You know and I
1: just want to add to that? I want to add to that that you can't take inventory on a hostage situation. You understand? You can't say, well, I have a default in my character because I please people. If the system demanded that you please people, how can you take inventory on that? You, you, you understand what I'm saying?
4: Yeah. Well that that's a confusing that's the that's the distinction between what we're talking about. And to tell you the truth, Dr. Judy, I haven't really taken a look at the the decoding map or what what did what do you call it that you have?
1: Yeah, the mind map, the be the cause mind map, which I call be the cause because at the number right. part of your life you're at the effect of and that's why I call childhood a hostage situation. Right. And then when you open your eyes, so- now you can be responsible and do that work that you're talking about. And by the way, if you don't have right. a copy of it, those of you listening, grab a free free PDF and share it on your Facebook. Share it with your yeah. and yeah, absolutely free. We'll send it to you in a PDF form, and you can read about yeah. it and you can connect the dots to what we're talking about.
4: Right. You know, I got to share a funny story with you. Um, I was a little bit concerned because I have a really close relationship with my sister. Mm -hmm. And she's just a beautiful person. She's a spiritual person, compassionate, understanding. Mm -hmm. But she still has somewhat of a relationship with my mother. And I know a few times, you know, when the topic comes up, that she's kind of sided with my mother a little bit and softened whatever she said. And it made me a little bit perturbed because I don't want to get a rift between her and I, right? Life. So uh, I recently showed her the video that, and she came back and she said, "Oh my golly!" So now we're both coming to grips with what do we do now? We connected all the dots, and I mean, the fit is perfect. What she is, she's and she's on the high spectrum of a smart narcissist person. So she does subtle things,
5: mm-hmm.
4: uh, and you know all her behavior. But anyway, I give her the analogy of the. Uh, I don't know if you ever watched the Magoo cartoon, Mr. Magoo. Yeah, I did,
1: yeah. Also,
4: I- so his eyesight, <laughs> at, at the beginning of the cartoon, his eyesight is really poor, and he's driving along, and all this carnage is happening around, and people are getting in accidents, and he's just got pretty healthy. He gets home, and he's whistling, and he goes in the house, and he never even realized, oblivious to all the wreckage he's caused.
1: And that's analogous <laughs> to the crack lens of perception, you see. We're blind. Yeah, we don't see straight. So I want to address what you said. And uh, Christiana, you do a lot of work with people who are the golden child and the scapegoat and the lost child. And and I have video yeah. up on my YouTube called "Sibling Rivalry." Parents are the cause. Why are they the cause? Yeah. We set up a horrible system. And then everybody's fighting and how fortunate for you that you and your sister got together and said, Oh my God, look at this. Don't no wonder. Yeah. This yeah. Yes. And then you get together and you do your work and you heal as much as possible and then in so far as your mother is concerned you understand that she was also wounded which doesn't mean that you have to put up with her demeaning and devaluing and destroying qualities and then that's where you get skilled and you develop boundaries and you figure it out whether you want to go some contact no contact gray rock which is you know this kind of mild contact you do what
4: no i've I've shut it off dr judy Last time I was there, I, I tried to help her a little bit, and I left, and she's, she had already gone around to her trumpeteers telling her how ignorant and rude I was to her when I was just trying to be nice to her and help her, okay. and it's just because I brought up something that you know hit a nerve in her about pain and about being responsible to take a look at self and all that, right?
1: Okay. Now I'm going to challenge you. Okay. So, so so please put on the AA hat and this is in no way to demean AA, but I'm, I'm simply curious, how would you take inventory then if, if someone said to you, uh, that's not kind to cut your mother off?
4: Um, (laughs) yeah, well, they don't, and,
1: and take inventory on your lack of empathy towards your mother what i'm really curious because I, I didn't do the 12 steps what would what would the philosophy um, um, advise in this case?
4: well here here's the philosophy the philosophy is it's a sick person right yeah it's a it, supposedly and that's where i'm this is my dilemma now it's a sick person we don't punish sick people
1: okay but in the same
4: but in the same but in the same token, it's like I can't help not deny the damage, the harm, the misery, and it's still trickling down to my kids, her you know, grandkids. Now, I can't deny that, right? Right. So to me, I, I can't not see ugliness. I cannot see anything else but the misery that this person has caused. But yet it's a sick old lady, and we can't do anything. We can't get across to her. So she just carries a boat in her little magoo little car and just keeps causing havoc wherever she goes.
1: Right, and that, I, I think that's a good way of looking at it. And that's why I don't use the blame word. You see, but every human being at at, at the bottom of it, we're all responsible for what we what, what we out in the world and how we treat other human beings. Okay, so that's... right. Psychologically, I know your mother will never own her own stuff, and there's another good video for you. Uh parents own your own stuff. That's a dramatic one because it's not such a pretty one. Uh, um, right. However, she won't do it. So what do you do? You don't have to demean devalue her. What you do is do the work process the anger, the justifiable anger that you, the child of you has. For being treated that way, for being discounted that way. And that's real. And then if you feel that her presence is injurious to your well being, then I guess that then, then AA and my philosophy are aligned in that you don't have to uh, be around sick people. You can put boundaries up. And if you feel like yeah. you like her powers her mother, or wishing her merry christmas or happy hanukkah or happy new year whatever you want to do you can still do that because then you define
2: the terms under which you want to uh, interface with. makes sense? right it's also it's also you know letting go of responsibility for mum's life because she is responsible right. for her life. Uh, right right and as children of narcissistic parents, we kind of grow up to believe that, no, we are responsible for their happiness, their well-being, and that sort of thing. Well,
4: I guess – I guess I, – I guess. Mm-hmm. I heard it.
5: I don't know where I heard it. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off. My Rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban marshall credit card bill.
4: But they're saying, like, I had a little bit of conflict with that, thinking I'm a bad person and I'm a bad son, that mm. I can't get along with my mom. Mm. And there's a certain element saying that you should honor your parents. Mm. Yes, and I'm exactly. thinking, well, which, but then you define what a parent is, which is oh, thank putting, you. po- thank you. putting your... Um, Putting your emotional security ahead of their own, and then she never did. So why should I honor my parents?
1: Oh you well, watch a few, <laughs> sorry. I'm just directing you to a few more videos. <laughs> uh, honor thy parents at what cost? Why don't you watch that one? Okay, that'll help clarify. I
4: sure will, and I will, and I will look for other material or resources that you have too, because I know myself now. I know I can continue this doing this. You give it energy, but instead, you know, you, you can only play victim for so long. You know where that's going to go. It's going to be a merry-go-round. So we have a uh, I'll take a look at the
1: Yeah, we have a lot of tools for you. We've got the Mind Map video series. Um, put that up, and then you could see it. You could reach out to us, and we'll send you links and obviously the book. And uh, then there's a recovering from narcissistic abuse plan that we have, and uh, this is our specialty. How to Heal from Narcissistic Abuse and then we have wonderful people on the team like Christiana and other people who work at various fee scales so don't let this stop you because I will find you a person that you can afford and a plan that you can afford to do this because frankly I want everybody to do this because it's right. if, if it's not done then uh, the next generation isn't going to uh, 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 do very well. we just not. Yeah. we don't break this multi generational pattern, we're just right. not going to do well. And it's our responsibility as mature adults to pass the baton in a clean, healthy way to the generation
2: next.
4: Right, I agree. And,
2: and that is honoring I- your mother and your father. Therefore, hey,
4: hey, that's a good that's a, that's a good way to put it you're exactly right yeah
2: well i appreciate i
4: appreciate it.
1: yeah reach out yeah to and there's you know there's so much here for you to learn and heal and uh and, and you don't have to say oh you know i'm on the aa track i can't do this or i'm on the mind map track and i can you know that's nonsense and uh, I I, no. everybody to use the tools <sighs> out there that suit you when they suit you. And maybe your card is up As to, insofar as look a little bit deeper now and stop blaming and shaming yourself if you don't feel that you're a good son. And know that it's impossible to give to people who didn't give to you. Impossible. That's why we have all these old People in old age homes that their, 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 their kids dump them there, and that's you know it's not only because of that, but a large number of those people may not have been the best parents, and their children just don't have anything to give to them, and they'd rather just leave them there and never talk to them again, and it's the saddest thing.
4: Right, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, thanks so much for talking with me, Doctor Judy. You're welcome. Is My is there? And how do I keep in contact, or how do I find out about uh, the resources that you is offered?
1: Me, you could write me at Dr. Judy. That's D R J U D Y at psychologicalhealingcenter.com. You could go to my web website, Dr. Judy Will take you to the Psychological Healing Center uh, website and just be in touch with me and or, or, or any member of the team, and then uh, and then we'll just. Put a plan together for you.
4: Okay, can you talk to my mother for me?
1: Of course, I will. Of course, I will.
4: I'm just joking.
1: <laughs> of course, and I'll invite her to the mind map process and she probably- yeah, Okay,
4: I won't be, there.
1: Jeez, be right
4: there.
1: Okay, but thank you so much. Okay, my fellow. Okay. Panel, you're calling in. Thank you. Okay.
4: Thank, okay. thank you so much.
1: Good night. Bye-bye. Yeah, so it doesn't only just because the title is Effects of Narcissistic mm-hmm. Daughters on Their Mothers, you know, same goes for their, their mothers on their, I mothers on their daughters, sons. Mm-hmm. Sons as well. And yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we have time for maybe one quick call. If anybody wants to call mm-hmm. in,
2: please do. Uh, and i um, happy to receive that call. There's another um, aspect of this kind of non direct. Communication or indirect communication from narcissistic mothers that comes up quite a bit in, in my client work um, is the notion of gift-giving. So, you know, narcissistic mothers are on birthdays and at Christmas often communicate through the gifts they give to their children. What do you notice? Well, for example, I, one of my clients was struggling with her weight Mm -hmm. And um, she was, you know, she was beginning to lose some weight and she'd been really taking care of herself. It comes to her birthday Mm -hmm. and mum shows up with, you know, a massive chocolate cake, you know, chocolates and all the things that she knows that her daughter is trying to refrain from. So, so, you know, what's the message here? Well, I want you fat. I want you overweight because then I feel better.
1: Yeah, and there's the demean. You see, there's no such thing as synergy in the system. And what I mean by synergy is I give to you, you give to me, We find the light between us, and as a result, we're both better off. It's not that. It's no, no existence of, 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 of that, that system. It's only a system of I control you, <clears throat> I'm better than you, and if yes. you're fat and I'm thin, I win. Mm-hmm. If you're yes. poor and I'm richer, I win.
2: If you... And then, you know, the, the trust then is broken. How can, how can you, you, you can't trust your, your primary caregiver that they want what's best for you. Yeah. And I mean, that's, you know, that's an effect that lasts a lifetime then. The trust between you and others, you're always wary of those who say they love you. Because
1: with trust, there is a mutuality. I trust you, you trust me, and we're building something mm. fresh and new. We're building a we. It doesn't exist because the we never got built. So when I look at the mind map and I show the mind map to people struggling with narcissistic abuse, I let them know that they've only been living in panel one, two, three, four, five, six, wounds, reactions, and codings, chaos, defenses, and breakdowns. And the shift and the recodings or the healing and the unity—they don't exist until we process the feelings and start bringing a, a new paradigm of seeing mm. and being. Mm. The paradigm being that not everyone is like your mother, not everyone is yeah. like your father, and there, are, believe it or not, some yes. people on the planet that want to play the synergy game. Yes, one plus one is greater than
2: three. Mm. And, and that's, you know, sometimes clients can struggle with that because there's, it's so unfamiliar, you, you know, that it almost, it's, it shocks them to, to sort of, you know, well, what I don't need to be constantly responding to this person's needs. I can say no and actually state my own opinion and they'll still be there, uh, that they'll still accept me, That it won't mean the end of the relationship. It's, it's quite a quite a process of of coming around to but very healing at
1: the same time very healing but non-existent Mm. i'll correct my math one plus one is greater than two Mm. okay so with the narcissistic system one meaning the child plus mom is 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 a deficit because the child Mm. will be less than Mm. the child will be arrested in development it will never Grow into the big I, which is the mm. self actualized. It will always be under the shadow of. Okay, mm. so that's a paradigm that doesn't create growth, that doesn't create partnership, it doesn't no. create light. Okay, it creates well, one is depleted. Mm. Right, it, can, it creates a mm. controlling system. Absolutely,
2: and that's you know I think that's the experience of many of my clients in 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 relationship is that. I have to deplete myself. I have to be depleted in order to be loved in a, in a relationship, and so then that that filters out, from, you know, in situations at work, uh, in in relationship with spouses and yep. whoever it might be. Right. I have to allow somebody else to deplete me. That's my role to be depleted. But the healing work then allows allows for this. Change to take place where you realize, no, actually, it's I'm here to be full up and to share my overflow, yeah, you know, and that's what relationship is about. In fact, I'm supposed to be filled up in relationship, too,
1: of course. And so, the more we fill our vessel, the more light we have to give to the world, and as we share our light from a filled Place, mm-hmm. then, um, then we have even more to give because yes. that kind of sharing is not depleting. Mm-hmm. When I work with people, I don't, I don't feel depleted. I might feel depleted if I have mm-hmm. to, uh, um, I don't know, return a bunch of phone calls that are mm-hmm. administrative or you know, mm-hmm. I don't know, just uh, a lot of, a lot of paperwork and stuff. That that might deplete me. But when I'm really doing the work and I'm in the room. Mm-hmm with that person, I, I feel, I feel energized.
2: Yes. Yes. And
1: that doesn't mean that I still shouldn't take care of myself and Mm -hmm. eat well and exercise and replenish myself and have people that are loving and my Mm -hmm. animals that are loving to, to, Mm -hmm. to support me. That doesn't mean that that, that is also Mm -hmm. that the, that that isn't necessary It is necessary Mm -hmm. It's just that we have to understand that there are different paradigms within which we live and the mind map teaches a whole new way of being and seeing. Mm-hmm. And then seeing. Anna, it takes what 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 I I teach you mm-hmm. and the, the other people on staff and then you actualize the system, so it's not just a theory or a nice diagram on a piece no. of paper. It lives and it breathes, and people actually shift
2: out of their old ways. Absolutely, and I think that's exactly what we're talking about tonight. In fact, you know, we're brought up in an environment where we're constantly being demeaned and shamed. Absolutely, you know, not verbally and non-verbally. Right. And then the work through the mind map allows us then. To become the inner parent, the good inner parent for ourselves, where we can actually build ourselves up, um, you know, become our own inner cheerleader, That's as opposed right. to the inner critic, which is was nurtured from such a young
1: age. Which is the psychovirus um, that people yes. ingest into the fiber of their being, and then reverberate in their their head and I know we only have a couple of minutes. Uh I just want to share once again that the book is available for free, the PDF. If you can show people a copy of that. Thank you so much. And then there's always the Mind Map video series, uh the nine panel mind map video series. That is just a great way to integrate all of the panels and get a great psychoeducation uh, through that and then combine that with some therapy or coaching. And then there's the, the mind map uh, journey to healing from narcissistic abuse hosted by my life coach is Epstein. And that's a specific process of healing from narcissistic abuse, which includes this video and a journal and then going into the topic of apathy and gaslighting Mm -hmm. and nonverbal and verbal uh, communications that demean, devalue, and destroy a human being. So, Christiana, I know that we will have you back. And for those of you who want to connect with Christiana Mm -hmm. directly, um, you're offering free consultations. Mm -hmm. And you can reach Christiana very simply at christiana c-h-r-i-s-t-i-a-n-a at correct correct at psychologicalhealingcenter.com so thank you very very much for being on air with me once again it makes it so nice for me to speak to you and share ideas Mm -hmm. and uh audience thank you so much for joining in and uh terry for calling in and uh and we'll see you next week Thank you, Dr. Newton. Thank you. Good night, everyone.